0: What is up, happy Independence Day weekend, Cyclone Nation. Chris Williams here. We're going to have a handful of podcasts for you. I wanted to give you guys ample opportunity to, I guess, just have a bunch of stuff to go off of here if you're traveling, if you're sitting around in the backyard with the family. And let's start things off with Bridget Carlton and the Legends Podcast, episode number two of the Sukup Legends Podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Bridget Carlton, one of the all-time greats. Uh, in iowa state women's basketball history was recently named to team canada for the upcoming olympic games this is a really cool thing for her Uh, we talk about that and i also catch up with her about her wnba career what does it take to be a women's basketball recruit like this is good if you have a young daughter uh, bridget gives some great advice Towards the end of the podcast, we also talk about the name, image, and likeness stuff. What does that mean for female athletes, college athletes across the board? I love Bridget Carlton. I'm one of her biggest fans. She is a great A human being. And I was happy to be able to sit down with her and have this conversation. Of course, it is part of the Sukup Legends podcast series here on the and Fanatic podcast network. And with grain prices on the rise, now is the time to consider investing in on-farm storage. Contact your local Sukup dealer to learn more about how a Sukup farm bin can increase your profits. Visit www.sukup.com. That's S-U-K-U-P dot and click Find Your Dealer. From our family to your farm, Sukup makes the quality products that you can trust. With that, happy 4th of July. Let's bring in and start our podcast with one of the all-time greats to put on a Cyclone women's basketball uniform, Bridget Carlton. Miss Olympian. How does that feel? Bridget Carlton, congratulations. Uh, and I i actually have already been on the lookout for a Team Canada. I never thought I would wear a Team Canada shirt during the Olympics, but I'm going to. Congratulations.
1: Yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's been like a dream of mine ever since I started playing basketball, fell in love with the game. Um, when the Olympics are on TV at our house, or when the Olympics are on, it's on TV at our house. Like yeah. for two weeks straight, our family is pretty proud to be Canadian and um proud to obviously follow sports and to represent Canada at that level is a dream come true. So
0: yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah. Billy was telling me that uh, it was, I think you said to coach Steyer when you were being recruited or something like that was that, I mean, you're in the WNBA now, you're having a fantastic professional career, but the, the Olympics was your like initial goal, right?
1: Yeah. I think that was like the first question I probably asked coach Steyer when she called me, I was like, was I, am I able to go play for my country? Um, I want to play in the Olympics one day. Like, is that, can that be my priority? And they were all on board the whole, I would say coaching staff, um, that they knew that was my number one goal, my number one passion and drive. And the reason I wanted to, you know, pursue this sport. Um, so yeah, they were behind me hundred percent of the
0: way. That's awesome. Um, so this was like a year delayed, obviously the we, were you were in the bubble, did all that stuff. We can get to that. What Did uh, having to wait a year, I mean, what was that like? Because it, I feel like a lot of athletes have just kind of been in limbo, especially at the, the Olympic level. But um, then you go to the bubble. Now you're back. Uh, it's been a really weird year. And it's really been a year where you've caught on professionally. I, I thought when you got drafted that you had a good chance to stick for a long time. But run me through like in what's a day in the life in the last year been like for you. Cause it just seems like it has to be just nuts.
1: Yeah. It's been crazy. I mean, life for everyone, I feel like it's been a little bit crazy for the last year and a half now. Um, but we qualified for the Olympics in February, 2020. And that's actually the last time I've played with team Canada. Um, they had a tournament a couple of weeks ago, but I obviously in the WNBA, so I wasn't yeah. available for that. There's three of us that are in the league. So we didn't go play for that, but, um, Yeah, so that's the last time I played for Team Canada. We qualified, and then a month later, obviously, everything went crazy. The world kind of shut down. Um, It was disappointing um, having the Olympics canceled or postponed. Not canceled. We were thankful it wasn't canceled.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: But understanding that it was postponed, good reason. Um, Mm -hmm. There was probably no way it could safely happen, especially with all the unknowns at that point. Um, but obviously disappointing. I felt like 2020 was like stuck in my mind for, for so long. Um, after, since the 2016 Rio Olympics, I was, um, my eyes were set on 2020, our whole team, that was our our main goal to get on the podium in 2020. Um, so disappointing, but obviously we understood and we just looked at it one more year to get better, one more year to improve. And, um, I think we all took advantage of that. So yeah, I went to the bubble had a interesting fun season over there. Um, we were in Florida. It was so unique, but I loved it. Um, my teammates were great. We played well, we made it to the semifinals, finished top four in the regular season. So that was obviously a good experience for me. I played well. Um, and then from there I went to France actually for a couple months, um, to play professionally overseas. Um, all during a
0: global pandemic.
1: All during the global pandemic, yeah. Actually, my sister got married in October, so like two weeks after the WNBA season finished, my sister gets married, so I was in, at home for that. And then the day after the wedding, I flew out to France for a couple months.
0: I'm actually surprised you were able to bounce from country to country like that.
1: Work visas, lots of work visas. <laughs>
0: I bet, yeah, because I actually have some buddies who they like to go up to Canada for fishing, and they don't even know if they're going to be able to get up there like later this summer still.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the border, Canada-USA border is still shut down pretty much to everyone. Man. Luckily, I had a work visa. I'm hoping my parents can come to Minneapolis sometime this
0: summer, hopefully. Yeah, Jeez. Um, Okay, what was the bubble like? Like, did, did? because I, I kind of have like this mental image of it, and I think like you all probably, you tell me if I'm wrong here, I feel like you all probably hated it at the time, and you're like, oh my God, this, is. but this is probably something like in 15 years, when you're done playing that you'll probably look back on and be like, Oh, that was kind of fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a great story to tell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I no travel. I think that was the best part. We went and played That's games great. at the same arenas. It was a, 10 minute drive from where we were staying. Didn't have to get on a plane. Well, we don't, we fly commercially. So it'll be the next day. We usually fly out. We didn't have to get on a plane the next day. We had legit off days, 24 hours off when we were off rather than, you know, counting a travel day as an off day, which doesn't always help the body. Um, that was the best part about it. Um, I lived in a villa, so I was with rooming with, uh, three other of my teammates. Uh, a lot of people chose to stay in the hotel, but I opted for a villa, which had my own kitchen. And so it was like an apartment style house, which was Easy. um Just weird, like seeing everyone though, like opponents, referees. They are all staying in the same hotel. After the games, we'd go to um the restaurant at the hotel, and the refs that just repped our game that just teed up my coach would be sitting at the table next. <laughs> it's like it was really strange, but it became the normal, and then it was like didn't think twice about it after a couple
0: weeks. I feel like the WNBA. That- In my mind, just as a sports fan, and I am a little bit by, I'm a big women's basketball fan. Like I, especially at the college level, I always have been. So I think that I'm probably a little bit strong here, but like, I think there were a few sports that grew during the pandemic. I think UFC did because it just never really stopped. And everybody was locked in their house and UFC was on like some island, you know, and they were and people were watching. I think NASCAR did because they were kind of in the same boat. I think a lot of people just there wasn't anything else. So they're like, oh, let's let's turn this on and let's bet on it. And I thought the WNBA, uh, when the George Floyd stuff was going on, to me, um, not just from a, the social justice part of this, but I, I felt like there were more eyes on you all. Um, and I thought it was a positive thing and then people paid attention to the basketball more. Did did you feel that momentum? Because I, I certainly, I picked up on it at least I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was special to be a part of. And I think the bubble helped our voice, um, all 144 of us, there's only 144 of us in the league, 12 teams, 12 roster spots. We were all in one spot, able to kind of come together and have a unified voice going forward for, you know, every game we play, what we wanted our message to be, what we wanted to stand for, what we wanted to promote on social media. Um, I think, you know, we got eyes on us and some people didn't like it so much, but we were willing to take that risk. And I think what's cool about the WNBA is, you know, we had the most to lose. It's not like we're making the millions of dollars that NBA players are making. Um, you can't afford
0: to lose, like losing a paycheck for you is much bigger deal than an NBA player. Right. That's what you mean by that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, financially, um, viewership wise. Um, but we thought it was worth it. We were willing to stand up for what we believed in. And, um, I think a lot of people, like you said, like. Paid attention because of that. We might have lost some followers, but we're not worried about those. We don't want them following us anyway. Um, that's kind of our mindset uh, going forward. So yeah, it was cool. We, I think like our TV viewership was up, um, and like every other major sport, like NBA, the, their bubble season, their playoff season, um, NHL, all that was down. So that was kind of cool.
0: It no, it, it it was. I I studied the ratings and stuff a lot, and that the and those are the ones that grew the most, mm-hmm. and it, it was. It was cool. Um, The, I don't know if you've gone back and watched it. ESPN did that documentary on the WNBA bubble. Did you go back and watch that at all? Yeah, I watched it when it came out. That, in my opinion, that might be the best sports documentary I think I've ever seen. Like it, the, the scene where you all are in the like conference room or wherever you're at in that big hotel. And there's like five women from all different like parts of life, like, and, and they're all, and you guys are all hashing this out. Like it was like hair on the back of your neck thing for me. What was it like living through that?
1: Yeah, that was, um, yeah, hard to put into words. It was special. Like when, when else are we going to all get every single player in the WNBA in one room to be able to talk about something so important? Um, that was after Jacob Blake, Still shooting. A yeah. Right shot after that. Yeah. The back. Um, NBA players opted out of their playoff games. And then we were kind of like trying to figure out what to do in a rush. We decided to opt out of our games that night. And then we had this big meeting, like you mentioned, um, in that boardroom. And just like, it was like kind of a what are we going to go? Where are we going to go from here? Like, it can't just be we're going to opt out of this game and then not address anything going forward. Are, are we going to cancel the rest of the season? Are we going to, like, what are we going to do? We all have to be unified in this. And there was, people were honest and open and sharing how they felt. And um, Courtney Williams was a big voice in that meeting. And she's like, I got to, I have people to feed. I need to take care of my people. I can't just quit the season. Like I need to get this paycheck, which we all um, connect to. Um, But then there's also like, we want to stand up, still stand up for what's right. And how can we make the biggest movement and change? So that was definitely powerful.
0: That was a powerful point in that for me, because she was like, Basically, like we're all making a giant sacrifice by being here, and if we go back with nothing and no paychecks, like, and then there was the other side of it where you all were wanting to stand up for this, and it was like, I, I, I just think that there's a lot of people in like their day to day lives come across like, kind of like, the scenarios like that where you have to make those hard choices. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Anybody listening? who has not seen that documentary, you guys should really go look it up. I, I thought it was really cool. Do you – so I have a theory, Bridget, and I don't know anything. Again, I'm just this guy who likes to watch the games. I have a theory when I was watching the the women's NCAA tournament last year, uh, which which our clones made a nice run. Um, not It's not crazy about the officiating in that last game, but – I'm a Bill Finley guy, so of course I can't like the officiating, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have a theory on where women's basketball is is heading, and I think we're there. And it, it hit me really for the first time watching that tournament um, from the bubble in San Antonio last year. This is the Steph Curry type of era. And and what I mean by that is like, so I'm 37 now. How old are you? 24. Okay, so you're 24. I'm 37. I grew up watching um, Shaq, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, like all these guys during like the 90s basketball, right? Where you almost had to be like six foot five or taller to be able to do it. Well, then this Steph Curry guy comes around and he's shooting from, you know, three feet behind the three point line. He's just, he's this little guy. He looks like he could be playing at the Y. Yeah. Um, and you, I think it's my theory is that the women's game has really started. Women your age were watching that style of basketball growing up. I mean, I'm watching the Buchers from UConn and Caitlin Clark from Iowa, and like the way that the women's game is playing now. I think it is a lot. I think it's come a long way from when. Um, it used to be like, oh, we're gonna watch him make layups, right? That used to be the big knock on women's basketball. It's not like that anymore. Am I am I onto something? I, I credit Steph Curry for a lot of this, but maybe it came from somewhere else.
1: No, it's true. Um, if you're not a, if you're a, for, a power forward, if you're a power forward, and I'll say WNBA because that's what I'm in right now, and that's what yeah. my mindset. If you're a power forward in this league that can't shoot, like you can't play. Like if you play, if you're the center, we have Sylvie Fowles on our team. She's probably the greatest center to ever play the game. Um, she doesn't shoot three. She can shoot threes, but she doesn't shoot threes, but she's dominant in the paint. But we have four people around her that can just shoot, knock down threes um, in and out every single night. So, yeah, I mean, it's fun. I mean, I, that's the kind of style to play I like. to yeah. make. I do like to shoot threes. And I think, yeah, it's like one through four, you have to be able to shoot the three. You have to be able to knock it down. Um, and that's what opens it up on the inside. And w- my WNBA team, we're lucky to have that big dominant center, but not everyone does. So we take advantage of that when we
0: can. Did you, um, who did you grow up watching? Like, who was your favorite player when you were, you know, aspiring to be a D one player and eventually in the WNBA?
1: Um, Kobe was the guy I
0: watched. Yeah.
1: I didn't watch many, much women's basketball. It just wasn't on TV. That's the thing. Yeah. All NBA. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's where I feel like a lot of these, Uh, younger women who are in the sport right now like they've just been so heavily influenced by by players that they can actually emulate where you know a hack like me like I was 5 foot 11 trying to be Shaquille O'Neal I could never I could never (laughs) do that but like if I would have grown up watching players like that and the way they're shooting I I think it's made the women's game much more exciting to the casual fan I've always appreciated the women's game but I think it seemed to me between that and brutal, honestly, I think gambling has helped too. I mean, you can, people can mm-hmm. bet on the games now. And I think it, it's brought more eyeballs to it. And I think it's a better product.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what we stand by anyway. Um, we like, we uh, take pride in our, um, you know, play the game the right way, make the right decisions, play smart basketball. And um, that's kind of what we hang our hat on it. A true basketball fan appreciates that. And then there's those losers that are sitting at home in the basement of their parents' houses that are trolls on Twitter. But a true, a true basketball fan does appreciate our game.
0: It's I think it's fantastic. Um, Bridget Carlton here is with us. Uh, she'll be playing for Team Canada in the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. So let me get this straight. So the WNBA will basically take off a month, right? So you don't right. have to miss yeah. any of your season or anything like that.
1: Right. Yeah. Our last game's uh, July 11th and I'm flying right to Tokyo, to Japan on the 12th.
0: Is it a little bittersweet that like parents and stuff can't go or are you just thankful for it? Like, how do you approach that?
1: It's disappointing. Obviously my parents had a fund saved to, to travel to Tokyo. They had their book flights booked at last year, um, in the winter. Um, but so d- disappointing. Um, they, they bought house the windows for our house instead. So
0: there oh, go. there you go. <laughs> <worked for> <laughs> How much um, do you uh, – obviously, you're busy, but all, your schedule, I think, allows you do – you, do you watch all the Iowa State games still? Like how does – how locked yeah, in on yeah. that are you? I,
1: I was in France for a couple months during the season, but I would watch the replays if I wasn't able to watch live. And then I was home for a lot of the season. So,
0: yeah, I watched. So, it's been a very um, – here in my world, at least, it's been a weird uh, couple of weeks as this whole thing has been picking up steam with the name, image, and likeness. I think I know where you're going to stand on this, but what do you – as a former player, um, how do you view this? I like, could do you, I, cause I think you could have really capitalized. I don't know. Um, you had a personality that was super likable. Not that the women on the team don't write. And Ashley's just very shy. I think she'll yeah. be able to eventually. She's just shy. Um, yeah. I think you would have really benefited a lot from it. What are you, what are your thoughts on the all the changing landscape in college athletics?
1: Yeah. I think it's, I mean, long overdue. Um, I, I think we're coming to a point in our like lives where social media is just such a huge part of everyone's life. Um, and it's, you know, important for brands to reach out to the, or be a part of college athletics. It benefits both sides, both parties. Um, I really don't see any negatives to it. That's why I think it should have happened a long time ago. And I'm kind of jealous it didn't happen when I was in uh university, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, some athletes will be t- able to take advantage of this. Um, I just hope, that female athletes are valued in college just as much as some of the, you know, men's basketball players, football players are.
0: Let me give you this take then. Let's talk about this. Cause I think I could make an argument that I think Caitlin Clark will be the most valuable athlete in the state of Iowa. For sure. I actually think that the women athletes, like here's the deal. And we're getting there. Like if I want to watch your games now, with the links, I can. Or I mm-hmm. couldn't have done that if you were in the WMB. Like when, I remember, um, you know, there's been other Iowa State players, like when Allison got drafted, like I couldn't watch her. Like, it, it, I mean, it was hard enough to find scores on the internet. Now, you know, yeah. I can pull up my phone and I'm following your game and watch it on my phone. But women, uh, young women in my, I have two daughters. It's harder for them to find access to role models, to... Uh, women to look up to, and they're finding ways now through social media, through um, all these new avenues. I think that the men's the, – two things. One, I think that the men are a little bit entitled. I mean, I love men's college, but I think that they expect things where the women's – I feel like if, let's say um, – Let's say if you were at Iowa State and you could have gotten a big deal with, um, you know, uh, maybe a women's clothing line, uh, an athletic women's clothing line. Um, To me, if you let's say you had 15,000 followers, I feel like those followers are going to be more engaged with you because there's fewer opportunities for them to have that engagement because of your gender which sucks but we're also growing i i really do bridget i think that like we people want to talk about the trevor lawrences and stuff of the world i think athletes like you will be the biggest gainers from this long term what do you think about that
1: yeah i think women's sports in college i we're we put ourselves out in the community i like to think more than the men do and you we're do. able to connect with kids and we we that's just in our personality. That's who we are. I mean, Iowa State women's basketball, we love to do that. It was like the highlight of our week when we got to, you know, do things in the community. We're like easy to connect to, I feel. So if I was a brand, that's something I for sure would value if I was trying to find an influencer type in the college world. Um, I just hope that's what they believe in the brand on the brand side of things.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think it'll come around. Uh, And I also think too, um, I mean, if I were giving any advice to, young people who are wanting to sell their brand. The the one thing that Iowa state women's basketball does a really good job of most of the time. And it hasn't always been that way, but when things are good, it certainly is, is like body language. I mean, you, when you played, you looked like you wanted to be out there. You smiled, you know, like even when things were bad, you, that to me is like the biggest thing. Like I, I think, especially at Iowa state where, um, you know the fans are so connected with their teams, maybe too much at, at certain aspects. Um, they would support like if you were to do a T-shirt when you were a junior in college, they would support you because they liked you. But if you get right. to the point where you have a bad attitude and you have a bad body language and stuff like that, then it could you know turn against. That would be my biggest. If you if you could advise, I'm sure maybe you'll get a call about this. Like if there if there was a a uh, woman on the Iowa state team who would ask, Hey, Bridget, how would you do this now? What, what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, you have to, you're starting to create your own brand as an athlete. You are a brand. Um, that's kind of what I'm learning now through the professional world. I just signed with a marketing agent. I'm starting to learn that I need to post on social media and look at to, you big time. I know, I know. It's I like weird. It. Like, usually, I usually just want to play basketball and that's all, but big time. Um, yeah. So, that's what I've learned is your you're, everything you do is part of your brand. So it's how you want to be viewed, how you want um, you to be seen in the world, and that's how you play. But it's also how you carry yourself, how you treat others, how you interact on social media, what you value, what you stand up for, what you believe in, um, and then people will follow you based on that. Um, you have to be true to yourself, but also you know want to be the best role model or um, person to look up to as you can.
0: Okay, um, let's do some basketball stuff So we've let's say uh, hypothetical you got a seventh uh, sixth or seventh grade girl and she wants to um, play basketball at a high level doesn't have to be in the big 12 but say she wants to play D2 or D1 basketball. What advice do you give her skills to work on? Uh, what would you say to that young woman? Uh,
1: grade six or seven um, I six, would say six or
0: seventh grade.
1: Sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. I Still, I would not say don't um, focus on basketball 100% yet. I think you still have time to enjoy other sports. And I think there's value in playing multiple sports as a kid. I didn't focus in on basketball till grade 10, grade 9, grade 10, I think was my... Started only playing bad. And I still played badminton in high school. <laughs> I played bad badminton. Really? <laughs> yeah. I would have yeah. never cool. guessed
0: that. Interesting. Went
1: to, went to provincial championships.
0: Wow. Yeah, um, <laughs> You're still bragging about it. I love it. Still Fantastic. bragging about it.
1: Um, But I think skill wise, if we are talking about basketball, um, just being versatile, I think that's what really helped my game and took me to the level I'm at now. I'm not the most athletic. I'm not. Um, the quickest, the strongest, but I know how to play the game. I know how to dribble. I know how to shoot. I know how to pass. I know how to do the easy things. Um, And there's value in that. I'm not going to make a superstar highlight um, video, even though that would be cool maybe one day, but um, I just do the simple things, the easy things, um, and I'm efficient with it. So I think that would be my biggest advice.
0: I always say too, the, the one thing I've noticed being so close to your, to the Iowa state women's and big 12 games isn't the non-dominant hand like a huge deal in the women's game? Like being able to go left. that That's what it might. I've never seen anybody do it better than you. Like you utilizing your left hand. Like it, it just seems like that is if you can really lock that down, you get a huge advantage. Yeah.
1: I got to a point where I only use my left hand and I forgot if I had a right hand and I'm right hand dominant. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think when we were scouting, I mean, our team, my team was pretty good at, you know, being able to go both ways, but, we were when we were scouting some teams in the big 12 like girls some girls literally could not use their left hand or if they're left handed they literally couldn't use their right hand and we would just sit on that weak hand, or their strong hand and make them make them be uncomfortable um and that's something that's like so easy to control and build and you know get comfortable with so that's definitely when, value
0: when did you start that like when did you start focusing on that
1: My mom went when I was in grade three and started playing basketball probably. Luckily she was a coach and luckily she knew what she was talking about. And I was I was always taller than everyone else too. And she didn't um she made sure I wasn't just like stuck in the post.
0: Um that's huge. She made me
1: dribble. She made me yeah, it was it was huge. I was basically a point guard growing up, even though I was like the tallest one on my team.
0: We're like I don't think nobody cares about this, but I'm I'm coaching my daughter's t ball team eight girls are on the team. This is uh, grade or they're five and six. Four of them are ambidextrous, which I thought is crazy. It seems like they're all like, I don't know if like there's something in the water here or what, but like four of them would hit left-handed and throw right. And like, we weren't even trying to get them to do that. But anyways, uh, I just, I just thought that was really weird. All right. So, um, well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. This was fun. We need to do this more often and keep people uh, updated on on everything, all the great things that you're doing in your career. My little girl's got one of your jerseys. We're big fans. Amazing. We wa- We watch as many games as we can. Do you get that? Like, do you get Iowa State fans? popping into games and stuff like Niang tells me all the time. Like he, it's like every home game. He, he sees somebody in an Iowa state. Yeah.
1: Someone was in an Iowa state shirt, like right across from our bench at home the other night. And I was like, who is that? And I never, (laughs) I never made eye contact or got a chance to wave, but I'm sure they knew who I was. That was cool.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. And best of luck in Tokyo. Uh, We'll be rooting for you. Thank you. Appreciate that.